You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testerman. This is episode 29, brought to you by Kickstarter backer Alexis Allen. Stage 5. Chapter 18. A deep, undulating vibration rolled through the ground and up through Calliope's legs as she walked back to the cornfield. It took her almost a minute to recognize the sound of a dragon laughing. Feels like an earthquake out here, she said as she walked up to Vicus where he sat alongside a row of tall, uncut corn stalks, chuckling to himself. Hmm. Now you know the secret behind the earthquake tremors in the middle of the Great Plains, Vicus said. He looked up and his eyebrows rose. Someone got a makeover. Calliope glanced down at herself. The only things that had changed were the flannel shirt and a different coat. I wasn't talking about the clothes. Vicus pushed to his feet. How'd it go? The tone of his voice made the question anything but casual. Calliope looked back to the tree-shrouded buildings where yard lights were already coming on. Good. My sister hates me and switches back and forth between hiding her children from me and blaming me for the fact that she has them, and my mom pulled a Jack Horner on my shoulder, but other than that, it was good. Mostly. Ficus frowned in the growing gloom. You all right? Calliope turned away from the distant lights. What was the great joke I missed? Your guide has a fine talent for shamefully puerile humor, Calliope. More than that we will not say, as defense to our reputation. Calliope smiled into the darkness. It's good to hear your voice again, Maka. I'm lucky to have such a fine traveling companion for the end of my little quest. Yes, Maka replied after an odd hesitation. We are sure it is an honor for you. There was another short pause. Shall we fly tonight, Calliope? Truly fly? Something tightened in Calliope's chest, even as she felt Vicus grip her arm. That... that sounds amazing, Maka. Please. The night before, Vicus had explained that the practice of staying close to the ground was useful for camouflage as well as hunting. Dragons paid a price in liberty in order to move virtually undetected. Until Maka left into the sky that night, Calliope had had no idea how great a price it had been. The first rush of cold air and speed and distance and motion tore a whoop out of her that could have been heard clearly back at the farm and washed away the stress and worry of the day as though it had never been. In some ways, it was the same as the night before. The heat from Maka's body, more than enough to warm the air around them even as they flew, didn't burn them. The strange texture of the scales, like fine sandpaper and so unlike the smooth, frictionless skin of a reptile, seemed to cling to them and hold them in place. Even so, Calliope suspected something extra had to be keeping them from falling. In junior high, she tried riding one of her uncle's horses bareback after reading Black Beauty, and then nearly broken her ankle twenty feet from the barn. But the difference between buzzing along familiar highways at an even height and speed and what she was experiencing now was a continent-sized gap. The ground rushed away from them so quickly it felt as though the whole world had flinched. 
In five heartbeats, they were looking down at the sparse yard lights of half a hundred farms spread out twenty miles in every direction. The town glowed in the distance. The moving lights of night-bound vehicles crawled like lost insects down the straight paths of invisible roads. The dragon's wings stretched out on either side beyond the distance Calliope could see in the thin starlight. She shrieked with every massive downbeat of Maka's wings, gasping and half expecting to die, terrified and never wanting it to stop. Minutes passed before she could breathe normally. Almost normally. How is this even possible? She gasped. Her eyes felt stretched as wide as they could go, drinking in everything around her. Vicus, riding behind her, leaned forward. Does it matter? It's unreal, Calliope said. It's a dream. She felt him shift behind her and imagined his odd shrug. If I tell you their blood is pure hydrogen, that they're incredibly massive but just about lighter than air, does it matter? Is it true? Dragons are true. It doesn't matter if they fly and breathe fire and can eat a town full of people, if they're messengers for God or a symbol of everything lost that you wish you still had. They might be any of those things, or all of them, and it still doesn't matter how they are. They are. Calliope didn't say anything else, letting the sway of Maka's flight carry her thoughts. After a time, she realized that the deep vibration she felt in her chest was the dragon singing. It sounded like a chant. The words, if there were words, were nothing she recognized, but it sounded sad to her, and somehow brave. She began to hum along. Would you sing with us, Calliope? Oh, Calliope started. I'm sorry, Maka, I didn't mean to. We would be pleased if you did. There was a certain tension, a waiting, in the dragon's tone. I don't know the words. Calliope replied. Her voice should have been too low for even Vicus to hear. That didn't seem to matter. Words we have found, Maka replied, are not wholly important. The dragon paused, then began the song again. Calliope listened, then hummed, then sang, and flew through the sky on a dragon. They went on in that way, for hours. It was over all too soon. The grassy hills were quiet and dark when they landed and Calliope slid from the dragon's back. Thank you, Maka. She spoke to the deeper shadows where the glints of the dragon's scales shone. You've been a good friend. You are most welcome, Calliope. Our time spent traveling with you in the Harlequin has been surprisingly pleasant. Thank you for singing along during the last part of our journey. It was very kind. The great luminous eyes appeared, well above them, blinking once against the chill, starry sky. If you would entertain a request on our behalf. Calliope glanced at Vicus. Absolutely. We wish to know the conclusion of this story, if you will. The great voice thrummed out of the ground. Oh. Calliope glanced at Vicus, who made a gesture that put the decision back with her. We... I... She shook her head to clear it. You want to wait for us? She felt odd, granting a request to a mythical creature that she couldn't quite perceive, 
but it wasn't anywhere close to the strangest thing that had happened to her in the last week. If you are willing. Sure, that would be... She hesitated, then said, gravely. I would be honored. Yes. There was nothing to say in reply. Turning, Calliope walked into the trees with Vicus, a massive shadow that might have been a dragon, watching them as they went. So, where are we? Calliope asked, after ten minutes of what felt very much like aimless wandering. Just some old farmland. Vicus nodded to indicate a hill closer to them, whose silhouetted crest was broken by a more regular, man-made shape. White was killed up there. By Mikey. Calliope's throat felt tight. Vicus glanced at her as they walked. By Mikey. White told you? She rocked her head from side to side. Hints, she said, then swallowed, willing her dry mouth to work. How do you know this is the place? She could feel Vicus's eyes on her. Quick explanation or complete? Calliope thought about the police description of Josh's body. Quick. It's where it would have had to been. Vicus turned his attention back to the hill. There's a path. Used to be a driveway up ahead. It goes up to the house. Not that you're going to get that far, snarled an all-too-familiar voice from just behind and above them. Calliope spun to face the sound, already too late, heard the gun go off, but didn't see it, was already falling. The ground rushed up and slammed the air out of her body. She saw a vicus already moving in the direction of the voice, then something thick and dank obscured her vision. Walker got off another shot as Vicus closed in, tearing off his sweatshirt and coat to release his wings. He flexed his legs as he stalked up the slope toward Walker, and his shoes fell away in strips. Walker shot him again. Vicus ignored it, his face stretching into the hint of a smile. Another shot went off as Vicus swatted the gun away and down the slope. His left hand clamped on Walker's throat with the sound of an axe hitting soft wood. You've given up a lot to fit in, haven't you, Walker? Vicus said, grinning through all his teeth. Blood, black against his matte white skin, trailed from two dark holes in his chest. Don't you think it's kind of pathetic you become exactly like the things you hate the most? He dragged the man closer to him. Because I do. How'd you slip the oath, Vicus? Walker strained against the grip on his throat. He pried at the choking hand, slamming his other fist into Vicus's body. Vicus grimaced and clamped his other hand around Walker's throat as well. Robbed of his voice, Walker clawed with both of his hands, straining forward. Rather than trying for a mirroring chokehold, his fingers scrabbled across Vicus's chest until his fingers found purchase in the two bullet holes and dug at the wounds. Vicus's face twisted, his lips drawing back and back in a shark's grimace until he threw Walker away from him, roaring. Walker went with the throw and rolled to his feet a dozen yards away. Vicus eyed him, then tore his gloves away to reveal the claws beneath. Let's do this right, he murmured. Why are you fighting me? The sharp angles of Walker's face bent into a scowl. The girl's dead. Even if she weren't, she would fail you, just like the last and the last and the last. He sneered. And with this one, you've practically made sure of it. At least my way, we won't lose anything. We? Vicus sneered, 
You talk like you're one of us. You're a joke, said the clown. Walker massaged his throat, stepping to the right. If we never risk anything, we never change. If we never change, we all die. Vikas circled the whip-thin man. Life means risk. Risk means letting them in to do what they want. And letting them do as they choose means we're all dead anyway, Walker barked. Choices made by following instructions aren't even choices. They don't mean anything. Vikas wiped blood from his chest and flicked it away. You know that as well as I do. You don't get to play your new role with me. Vikas stretched his arms away from his body in a gesture of harmlessness. Who am I? A liar by gift. Walker spat on the ground as he circled. You try to bridge the gap between two worlds that should never touch. You offer hope where there is none. That's why I gave up on doing it the old way. Everything ends. Vikas's smile returned. Exactly, he said, and leapt. Human eyes could never have tracked the speed of the blows exchanged. When the flurry slowed, it found the two locked in another clench. Vicus's body was laced with welts. Walker's clothing hung in bloody tatters. Vicus's smile was, if anything, broader. Why are you fighting me? Walker nearly screamed. You are the guide. It accomplishes nothing. I'm not fighting, you moron, Vicus murmured. I'm stalling. He shoved away from Walker. For what? Gunshots tore the night apart, and Walker dropped to his knees. He twisted toward the sound, and another shot punched through the air, knocking him to the grass. Hi, Calliope said, walking up the slope. Those two were for the holes in Vicus. Walker sneered. You can't possibly think it matters if you kill... Calliope shot him in the shoulder. Walker grunted as though hit with a tree. I think I decide what matters right now since I have the fucking gun. Asshole! She edged toward Walker, the weapon extended, tipped her chin toward him. That last one was for me. Walker shook his head like a wet dog and glared up at Calliope. You don't have the faintest idea what's at stake here. I know enough, Walker sneered. You'll fail as you think you're winning. I am going to bring Joshua back, you son of a bitch. Walker sneered. Exactly, he said through bloody teeth. Calliope stared at him, shook her head, and then took a step forward and kicked him in the face. He dropped to the ground, tried to rise, and went still. Vicus slumped to the ground. Kinda wish you'd gotten up there a little faster than... Calliope whirled, leveling the gun at him. He watched the weapon with an expressionless face. What are you planning to do with that? The gun shook. Calliope's eyes, like those of Gluen's security guard so many days before, were wide enough to show the whites all the way around. What are you? Vicus glanced down at himself. Enormous, taloned feet gripped the ground. Blood dripped from his clawed fingers. He looked back up at Calliope, a leathery, clown-faced, albino parody of an angel, with leathery bat wings truncated and tattered in pale white under the moonlight, the stuff of forgotten myths and nightmare. I'm your guide, Callie. Don't call me that. The gun didn't move. What are you? I have a hundred names, 
Vicus said. His voice was calm. A hundred things that people call my kind, because we don't have a name of our own. We hid it a long, long time ago, and we can't have it back. He looked up at her, his plastic black eyes shining. I'd tell you if I could, Callie, but I can't. Don't call me that. The barrel of the gun shook. Sorry. He sniffed, looking around at the torn ground as though searching for a place to lie down. Look. Shoot me. Calliope twitched. What? Vicus shrugged, his tattered wings shifting behind him, finally free of their confinement. Or don't. But you can't waste any more time on this. You have to go, with or without me. He frowned. You're okay, right? Calliope lowered the gun a fraction. I thought he'd shot me again. Yeah, sorry about that. Knocking you down was the only thing I could think of. Did you hurt your shoulder? Calliope shook her head. I'll live, but you're... She cut herself off. God, how do you do that? Ficus blinked, assuming his most innocent expression. Do what? Calliope glared. Go put your coat on. Ficus quirked an eyebrow. I can move? Yes, coat. Please. Ficus pushed himself up, grimacing at the ache of the blows he'd taken, hissing through his teeth as the movement pulled at the open wounds high on his chest. Calliope frowned again. You sure you're all right? Of course I'm not all right. I was shot. Twice. Protecting you. Vicus shook his head. You and your questions. Calliope tilted her head. Remember that I still have the gun. Good point. He tugged his coat on as best he could, wincing. Ready for the end of this? I hope so. Me too. Can I lean on you? She made a face. You're still dripping blood. Right. Together, they walked, still talking, toward the distant house on the hill, oblivious to the dark shadow that moved through the trees behind them. I'm kind of surprised you didn't kill him, Vicus said. Calliope looked at him. Should I have? Vicus shrugged and winced. Calliope turned her attention back to the dark path. I'm tired of death, she said, finally. It seems like this whole thing has been about death even when it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on. Did I tell you my dad had cancer? Vicus shook his head. Is he all right? Calliope made a face. I guess so. It's impossible to tell. He doesn't look all right. She looked at Vicus. But you see what I mean? Joshua died. You died, I guess. Maka nearly ate us. Dad had surgery and maybe treatments for cancer, and no one even told me until I showed up at the door with a bullet hole in my shoulder. My sister doesn't want me around her family like I'm carrying death around with me and I'm not sure she's wrong. It's not you, Vicus adjusted his coat. This, all this right now is just life. One of the things that happens in life is death. That's part of it. He grimaced as he stepped over a tree stump. Granted, you've got a few more of the exciting parts going on right now than normal. Exciting, Calliope deadpanned. I'm so excited I can barely breathe most of the time. I'd say that's my line. Give it. Good evening and well done, my dear. Called out another voice from the shadow of the house. Calliope recognized it even before the speaker's bulging eyes loomed out of the darkness. 
Phagos stepped out of the deeper shadow, followed by the tall, swathed figure of Copro. I believe we have a bargain to conclude, the shrunken man continued. Something you can provide me in exchange for something I can provide you. He gestured, and Joshua White walked out of the shadows. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the hidden things.